Let us pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your word that brings our souls to life. And we know that you not only want us to hear it for information, but also for transformation, changed and healed living. And for that, now we ask for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit upon our congregation so that we might not only hear your word, but live it out more fully and faithfully in our lives. We pray this through Christ, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Amen. So while we were house hunting last month in July, one day we were driving north on Queen Street in our little Corolla, and we were heading toward Penn Square. Are you all with me in our little Corolla, all of us crammed in there? And we got to Penn Square, and I did something that seemed absolutely natural to me, I hung a left on King Street. (laughs) And at that point, the whole square erupted in honking and people waving their hands. Now, this was completely natural for me because the far right lane was wide open. Uh, But fortunately, we were able to make a quick U-turn before we met any oncoming traffic, and uh, before any traffic ticket was received. And as Jason uh, already alluded to, I confess that I had a rather similar feeling when I turned to the lectionary readings (laughs) assigned for my very first Sunday at East Chestnut Street. I mean, my goodness, I was hoping for one of Jesus' great parables. How about his teachings on prayer that have become so precious to me? Maybe his call to peacemaking or something about our ministry of reconciliation. But instead, I found our passage today, I came to bring fire to the earth. Do you think that I came to bring peace? No. Division. As one commentator has put it, this passage is certainly on every person's top ten list of Jesus' hardest saints. Now, I was mightily tempted, as preachers sometimes do, to pull a switcheroo. (laughs) But... Over the years, one of the things that I've learned about the lectionary is that it does force us to wrestle with texts that we would never otherwise choose, especially on our very first Sunday at a certain church. And so today, let us trust that in our wrestling with this text, like Jacob, we will receive a blessing from God. 
So in our reading, our gospel reading today, we find Jesus near the end of his three-year ministry in Palestine. In word and in deed, he has been announcing the wonderful arrival of the kingdom of God, the liberating, barrier-breaking, domination-shattering, reconciling reign of God. This kingdom, he says, is like a pearl of great price that is so precious that we're all willing to cash out on absolutely everything else in order to receive this one precious pearl. And once we choose this kingdom, our days of pledging allegiance to any other kingdom or any other king are over. So what Jesus is doing in his ministry is bringing his listeners, his audience, and us to this decisive place of decision, even of crisis. Entering this kingdom is free, but it will cost us everything. It requires a second birth and a profound reordering of our lives, of our relationships, of our priorities, and our politics. Will we choose to follow Jesus and seek first his kingdom, or will we just walk away? And in the Gospels, we see some folks just walking away. We sense the urgency of Jesus' message in his words today. I came to bring fire to the earth. And how I wish that it were already kindled. So dear friends, what exactly is this fire? I believe that is, it is none other than the fire of God's love, a love like the world has never experienced before. It's a love that receives us just as we are, but it never leaves us there. A love that invites, but never coerces. A love that guides but never controls. A love that is strong and tenacious and endures forever, as the psalmist says, but never becomes violent. A love that is gentle, but never soft. A love that is self-giving, even to the point of death on the cross which is probably the baptism that Jesus is referring to in verse 50 today. So I hope you're getting this drift that God's love is the very furthest thing from just being nice. Because God's love not only comforts and embraces us, but also purifies 
and transforms us. When we are living our lives disconnected from God and alienated out of relationship with our neighbors, God's love sometimes can feel like a consuming fire, a blazing furnace. Ever felt the heat? But here's the good news. There's always good news. When we open our hearts wide to receive God's love, let it steadily cleanse and refine our thought and emotions, as the hymn so beautifully says. We discover that God's love is not a blast furnace. We discover that it is a warm flame of healing and saving love. You know, in my own faith journey, I can remember a few key junctures, turning points, when I felt the blazing fire of that furnace. And I saw several of you nod your heads as well. You know what that heat feels like. I felt God calling me very clearly to turn away from my refusal to forgive. To turn away from my tight grasp on our money and possessions. Ever felt that call? To turn away from my secret racism. To turn away and to give up a spirit of fear. But now that I look back, I look back on those times, and I still struggle with these things, but I have experienced a measure of transformation. And I look back, and I don't see a blazing furnace anymore from God. I see God's warm flame of love. One of my favorite theologians, Rowan Williams of England, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, beautifully describes our earthly journey as one of slowly acclimatizing ourselves to the fullness of God's love. Isn't that wonderful? Getting used to it, being able to bear it, it's so pure and holy and exquisite. So that in the end, when all of us meet our maker someday, We will not need to shrink back in fear, but we will be filled instead with rejoicing in finally and fully being in God's presence. But according to Jesus today, being set on fire with God's love will also sometimes bring division. And especially, he says, in our families. And my goodness, you know, here I sit with much of my family right here, so you can ask them later how faithful I am to these things. And it's very interesting if we think about Jesus' words because in Mark 3, 
we have a story where Jesus experiences a lot of division in his own family. In fact, they actually think that he's gone crazy. Remember that story? And, and they try, they come and try to restrain him and take him home. So he's not talking about abstract things here. And it's also very likely that the disciples, when they went out and they came back, they probably said to Jesus, my goodness, we're preaching your kingdom message, and sometimes it's bringing division to families. And all of us, in one way or another, have probably experienced this. The important thing to remember here is that when Jesus talks about division, he is not being prescriptive, but descriptive. In other words, he's not telling us what he wants to happen. Remember, Jesus says, come to me, all of you. He wants everybody to come to him. But some people won't. And so he is describing what, in a sin-sick world, a world alienated from God, will inevitably happen. And so in our families, living under God's reign of love will sometimes bring conflict. When our family demands that we give our blind allegiance to our nation, we choose instead to obey God rather than any other human authority. When we encounter racism or homophobia or gender bias in our family system, we insist on treasuring the precious image of God in every person, not just some. And even sometimes our efforts at Christ-like peacemaking in our family will bring division, especially when there is deep resistance to reconciliation. Now, we all know that this kind of kingdom living in our families is hard. Amen? In fact, usually kingdom living is put to the test most of all, first of all, in our families. And we've all seen this done terribly with self-righteousness that alienates everybody. But I think we've also seen it done beautifully with great love so that space is opened up for God's healing to enter in. And in his own life, we need to look to Jesus here, he models a constant turning to God in prayer, communing with his Abba, communing with our Abba, to receive the grace and the humility and the wisdom that he needs and that we surely need to love well. To love well. I think a big part of the good news for us here this morning 
is that though kingdom living sometimes brings division to our families, Jesus also adopts us and integrates us into a brand new family. A great communion of saints, a school of love called the church. And in our case called East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church. I had to practice that like 10 times. It's a hard name to just sort of roll off the lips. You know, at the end of our meeting, or at the end of our reading today, Jesus asks why some folks in Palestine are good at watching the Weather Channel, knowing exactly when it's going to rain, when it's going to be hot, but so unable, unable to discern the times. Jesus' presence among them represents the culmination of the Jewish people's history, the coming of their long-expected Messiah, but many people just walk away after they hear him, and they don't recognize the time of their visitation from God. And so one of the crucial, crucial roles for our faith community is to be a community of discernment together. Asking, how is God at work in our times? How is God at work here in 2013? What is God doing here in Lancaster City and around the world? And perhaps most importantly, once we do see what God is doing, how can we join what God is doing and share God's love and shalom with our neighbors? You know, my family moved here uh, last month, and you all must have been wondering, hey, what were they doing? They never showed up here. Well, we took the opportunity to visit other congregations and to see what God was doing through them, in them, and through them. And we visited some wonderful churches. We visited St. John's Episcopalian Church downtown. We visited the Vineyard Heritage Center on New Holland Drive, a multicultural, charismatic church that after the three-hour service <laughs> stopped and invited my family forward, and they prayed for you fervently, laid hands on us and prayed for our ministry among you. And then another Sunday, we went to St. Anthony's Catholic Church just up the hill, and we had this wonderful conversation with the priest there, Father Mitzel. And he knew all about this church. <laughs> and the warmth of your love for the surrounding community. You don't know how wonderful that is just to hear that. You see, dear friends, we're all part of this great cloud of witnesses 
mentioned today in Hebrews 12. A great cloud of witnesses stretching back 134 years here at East Chestnut. Stretching back a hundred generations to Jesus. Stretching back many more generations all the way back to Abraham and Sarah who are mentioned in this passage. We are part of a great communion of saints across time, across geography, set aflame with God's love, fire of love in our flesh, in our bone. Helping each other now run with perseverance. The race that has been set before us. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and is now leading us on our journey home. Home to God. Amen.